We are in part two today of a series called Not Today, Satan. Everybody say, Not Today, Satan. Not Today, Satan. It's a a good statement, isn't it? Take authority of some stuff. Yesterday, uh, we we had a light that went out in our kitchen, and uh, it's been out longer than it should be. Uh, And so finally, I had some encouragement from my wife to get this light fixed. Uh, and so, uh, so it's time to man up, right? It's time to change out this thing. Uh, so many of you know me. I am pretty much worthless when it comes to handyman stuff as, as well as many other things. Um, so, you know, I pull up a YouTube video and go through the whole thing to try to figure out how I'm going to do this. And, of course, we're scared for my life because this actually involves electrical uh, aspects. So if I don't do this well, uh, somebody else is going to have to preach tomorrow. Uh, so thankfully, God's spared my life and I'm here uh, and, and amazingly enough I actually got this thing changed out and I had multiple issues I had to strip a wire uh, I, I could not get this thing to mount properly there were multiple times where I was ready to just tap out and I kid you not I literally had to say nope not today Satan I'm not quitting I'm not giving up I'm not gonna settle I'm not calling Shane I'm not gonna do it I'm doing this myself in Jesus name So I say that to say this, this series has already helped me. I hope that it's helping you. Uh, We have a Not Today Satan declaration that we are empowering you, man, every morning to get up and speak this over your life, man, to go before God and to declare this. And so I'm going to ask you, would you go ahead and stand with me? We're going to read this out together at the beginning of our message today as we're going to do throughout this series and make this declaration. We go ahead and put that up on the screen for us, please. Um, today, if you guys will say this with me, today I choose to exercise my faith and engage the Holy Spirit. Today, I reject temptation, complacency, mediocrity, and lukewarmness, and I rebuke their power in my life. With God's strength, today, I will play offense. Today, I will open my Bible to build my faith, open my mouth to declare God's goodness, and open my eyes to the opportunities to make a difference that God sets before me. Not today, Satan. Father God, we come before you right now, God, and we ask that this would not be an empty, mindless statement, God, that we make because it's what everybody's doing and the pastor asked us to do it. But God, we ask that this would be truth, that it would be life, Father God, that it would be the cry of our heart. Lord, even if we didn't come here desiring this, God, we ask that today we would leave here grasping it. Father God, that we would choose to seize today to seize the opportunities you give us each and every day, God, that we would no longer wait for the enemy to bring the battle to us, but God, we'd take up our sword, we'd strap on our armor and bring the battle to the enemy. Father God, that we would walk in the victory you have ordained for us to walk in. God, we ask that you break temptation off of your people, break sin off of your people, break lukewarmness and complacency and mediocrity off of your people, that we would walk in the fullness of what you have provided for us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we thank you in advance for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. 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 You guys can grab a seat. So excited to dig into this 
with you. If you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and catch the podcast or go to our Facebook page and watch the, the video of the live stream. Uh, we, we started out our look at this statement by focusing in on that middle word, today. We looked at why today is so important. We actually looked at four reasons why today matters. We saw, first of all, that today matters because it's manageable. Uh, that, that sometimes, man, we can break off a long commitment and that can be difficult to uphold and to walk in. But, man, today is, is, we can break that down. I may not be able to say I'm never going to do something again, but I can say it's not going to happen today. Now, I may not be able to say I'm going to change every light fixture that goes out, but I can say I'm going to change it today. Amen? Right? So we can grab a hold of that. It's a manageable bite-sized piece. Secondly, today matters because God says it does. We see the significance and the worth of today all woven throughout the fabric of Scripture. Thirdly, we discover that today matters because Satan isn't taking today off. Right? That the enemy is up to something. He's after us. And he is not, excuse me, he is not relenting. He is not holding back. He is not waiting until we're ready to engage the battle. He's coming at us every day. And if there's an enemy who's up to something every day, if the kingdom of darkness is at work every day, then the kingdom of light better be up to something every day. Amen? Amen. Lastly, we saw that today matters because it's all that we're promised. Thankfully, to my knowledge, we didn't lose anybody in our church family this past week. But the reality is that day will come for all of us, that we leave this world and enter the next. None of us are promised tomorrow. None of us are promised we'll make it to part three of this series, right? None of us are promised those things will happen. And so the one thing that we know we have is the moment right in front of us. It's the day that God has given us, so let's maximize it. Let's capitalize on it. Let's take advantage of it. Today, what I want to do is I want to start talking about temptation. In fact, in the next two weeks, we're going to dig into the nuts and bolts, the practicals of what do you do when you're tempted? What do you do with those habits, those hang-ups, those addictions, those weaknesses? When the enemy starts to speak, when he presents an opportunity for you to step out of what you know is God's best in your life, how do we begin to say no? How do we begin to say not today, Satan, in those situations? But as we transition to talking about temptation, I want to talk to you today about the great greatest key to overcoming temptation. The, the, the most important thing we can do to overcoming temptation. I don't know how many of you have a specific thing that comes to mind when we say that word temptation. If you have a specific thing that comes to mind, there's probably the, a, a good signal that that's a significant battlefield in your life. If as soon as we say temptation, if you begin thinking about something on a computer or something in a bottle or some sort of chemical to put into your body or some inability to control your tongue when you're driving down Goodman Road or some other thing in your marriage or in your relationships or whatever that may be, if you immediately go to that place, it's probably a good signal that, okay, this is an opportunity for you to start winning some victory. This is a, a chance for you to step up and begin walking in the victory that Jesus has already provided and already paid for for you. This is something for you to begin saying, not today, Satan. 
towards. But before we get into dealing with those specific things over the next couple weeks, I want us to step back and look at the big picture of temptation. Because if there's one thing I see in scripture, it suggests to me that a lot of times we come at this thing from the wrong direction. Uh, A lot of times we kind of get this twisted and get it backwards, and I want to show you what I mean. I believe that the biggest key to victory over temptation is this, that you will not consistently get victory over temptation without it, and that is simply this. Jesus is the greatest key to victory over temptation. Without Jesus, you will not overcome temptation. You see, the danger in a series like this is we give you seven steps or four things or these how-tos or these keys, and we begin empowering you and your own strength and your own willpower to go to bat. How many know when you go to bat against temptation and your own strength and your own willpower, we're setting you up to fail? Right? There's a reason Jesus had to come, and the reason is this. We ain't that strong. We can't do it. It's not that it's hard for us to do. It's that we are incapable of doing it on our own. There is nothing within me that will overcome sin apart from Jesus. And so when we start with the practicals, and don't get me wrong, the Bible has some practicals. The Bible has some things that will help us to step away from temptation, but on their own, those things are powerless. They are only powerful when they're done in the context of relationship with Jesus Christ, empowering of his Holy Spirit, and allowing him to move and breathe in our life. Amen? So we're going to start with the most important thing. We're going to start with the main thing. We're going to start with looking at the value and significance of relationship with Jesus when it comes to overcoming temptation. Write this down if you're taking notes, and if you're not taking notes, shame on you. You should be. Not really a condemning kind of preacher, but I would encourage you to bring a notepad, to bring a note sheet and a pen, because I believe that God's going to be speaking throughout this series. Write this down. You can't defeat sin without a relationship with Jesus. You can't. You cannot defeat sin without a relationship with Jesus. Now, immediately, our mind will go to somebody that we know that doesn't know Jesus who overcame something. They quit drinking. They stopped smoking weed. They quit looking at pornography, right? We can go to this person who found victory, maybe through a 12-step program, maybe through those things. And we're not against those things. Those things can be very beneficial in the context of relationship with Jesus, But on their own, just because somebody overcomes a sin, I promise you below the surface, they found something else to give themselves to. You can't overcome temptation apart from Jesus. We are too weak. We are too broken. We are too incapable on our own. And so just because we figure out how to get rid of this thing that's at the surface, we don't know how to get rid of the root. Right, And that root will pop up in a different direction, in a different way, even if we can deal with something at the top. And so I don't want us to start dealing with temptation and sin at the surface and ignore the root. We're going to start with the root. We're going to dig that thing out, and then we can deal with the surface stuff. Amen? If you look through Scripture, we see this very strongly. Basically, the entire message of the Old Testament is this. 
you can't stop sinning. That's it, right? You can sum the entire Old Testament up in that one little statement, you can't stop sinning. The law is given, and there's so many rules and so many regulations, and nobody fulfills it. Nobody lives up to it. Nobody is capable. We fast forward to the New Testament, and God introduces this guy named Jesus. Now, he was there in the Old Testament, but not present in the way he is in the New Testament. He introduces his son, Jesus. He sends his son, Jesus. And even before Jesus dies and raised again, things start to change. He starts bumping into people who have some really overt very gross, very significant sin through human eyes. And when they encounter Jesus, everything changes. Encounters a girl named Mary Magdalene. She's a prostitute. And when she meets Jesus, everything changes. He encounters a guy named Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector, the lowest of the low in Jewish society. He was a liar, a thief, a cheat, and a traitor. Completely despised and he meets Jesus and this greedy individual who wanted everything for himself starts giving away money four times what he stole from people. Why? Because Jesus changes everything. We see this demoniac of Gerasenes, this individual who they can't even number how many demons he is possessed by. They just say we are legion because we are many. And this man who's, who's so possessed and so wretched, he lives amongst the tombs. He lives amongst death. He runs around naked. He cuts himself with rocks, brings damage to himself, which, by the way, that's always the evidence of some demonic activity. The enemy wants to destroy us. We see it in this generation of teenagers where the enemy's trying to take out our kids to get them to harm themselves, right? That doesn't mean that they're possessed by demons, but it does mean that there's demonic oppression, there's demonic activity trying to get them to do something to themselves. We see it in this guy. And then Jesus enters the picture and he sets him free. The God of victory. The, the one who has the greatest authority, he sets him free. And this wild man, this crazy man, this person who was terrifying everyone and tormenting everyone, all of a sudden he gets set free and he becomes an evangelist. He's got to go back, to says, to the Decapolis, to the 10 cities and tell everybody about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus changes everything. You see, there was no life change without Christ. There were people who loved God. There were people who pursued God. There were people who chose to pursue righteousness, but there was a limit to how far they could go and to what they could do until Jesus showed up. And how Jesus comes and overcoming temptation looks differently because we can't live right on our own, but man, we can live right with Jesus. He empowers something in us that we can't do for ourselves. Colossians 2 puts it this way, starting in verse 13. It says, when you were dead, everybody say, I was dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, in other words, your flesh had not been cut away, it had not been submitted to God to get rid of the stuff that didn't belong there, God made you alive with Christ. Everybody say, I'm alive. I was dead, but I'm alive. What a beautiful statement says, he forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. I'm not dead anymore. I'm alive. Why? Because of Jesus. 
And now the power of sin has been broken. It doesn't mean I don't ever sin. I don't know if you've gotten to that place yet. I haven't, right? There's still some pull. There's still some allure. There's still temptation there. But the power, I am no longer obligated to sin. I'm no longer controlled by sin. I'm no longer destined to sin. Now I have the ability through the Holy Spirit in me to resist, to overcome, to walk in victory. In fact, the very verse before that in Colossians 2.12, it says, having been buried with him in baptism, get signed up for baptism, there's my plug, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So we died, we were buried, and we're raised to new life. And now that new life is connected to his life through his Holy Spirit and is capable of saying, not today, Satan. Right, now we have that ability. So write this down. Saying no to Satan starts with saying yes to Jesus. Saying no to Satan starts with saying yes to Jesus. I'm not saying all you have to do is go home and read your Bible and pray and you're never going to sin again. That's not reality. The reality is the enemy knows where you're weak. The enemy knows areas in your life to exploit and he's gonna bring that temptation towards you and we're gonna need to fight the battle at the point of that temptation and we're gonna spend the next two weeks focusing on that. But the big picture of temptation is this, you'll never win those small battles until you first encounter him, until you first are empowered by him, until you first begin saying yes to him, just like we talked about at the end of worship, we can tuck him in the back of the closet. Hey, we've got him. Hey, I'm saved. Hey, I'm going to heaven. Cool. But there's no power there. Or we can engage him. We can take advantage of the tools he's given us to, to go to him in prayer, to open his word, to engage other believers in relationship, to worship him. We can take advantage of those things. And when we do, we're building our spirit up. Amen. We're getting stronger. Man, we're, we're doing some spiritual push-ups, right? We're getting ready for the battle. And when we do those things, we're making it a whole lot easier the next time the temptation comes for us to say no. Doesn't mean you won't ever sin. Doesn't mean there won't ever be temptation. But now you're getting prepared in advance for the battle. One of the things that we've talked about last week, and I'm probably going to talk about through this whole series, and I think is so key, is this concept of playing offense, Sometimes the best defense is a good offense, amen? And, and instead of just waiting, because man, we know the enemy's gonna come. We know the sickness is gonna come. We know the relationship challenge is gonna come. We know the temptation is gonna come, right? We know the enemy's gonna bring something towards us this year in 2020. It might be small, it might be big, but it's going to come, right? We've all experienced this many times in the past. Instead of waiting for that to show up and then going to war, we can actually go to bat ourselves first we can be initiators in this spiritual struggle and not wait to to to, man now I've got to suit up now I got to call all my prayer warriors now I got to get everybody ready because we're in this season we're in this attack we can actually be ready when the attack comes and it's so much better so much better the best defense is a good offense so saying no to Satan starts with saying yes to Jesus, but it doesn't stop at the point where we receive salvation. Man, saying yes to Jesus is a daily thing. We talked about it last week. Today, 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 take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. And if you'll say yes to Jesus on a daily basis, it's going to be so much easier to say no to Satan on a daily 
basis. Hebrews 12 puts it this way after the amazing Hebrews chapter 11 that talks about the, the hall of faith, this incredible cast of, uh, of saints who've gone before us that we stand on their shoulders. They've paved the way for us and shown us what it means to live a life of faith, shown us what it means to live a life of sacrifice. This amazingly encouraging chapter, the author of Hebrews immediately transitions in chapter 12 and saying this, says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, because there's so many great men and great women who've gone before us, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. You got some sin that easily entangles you? Man, sin that just seems like it just keeps popping up, like every time it shows its face, it just brings victory. Well, the author of Hebrews knew what that was like. This didn't surprise God. He wasn't unprepared for this. He says, look, let us throw off everything that holds us back. See, everything that hinders isn't necessarily sin. Sometimes there's things that hinder our walk with God that are completely neutral, but they get a hold on us. Man, they, they, they become too important to us. They become a distraction for us. Or for whatever reason, God just says, no, that's not for you. I've got a different plan for you. I've got a different calling for you. I'm taking you this direction, and that good thing is for somebody else. And you need to walk away from that. So he says, let us throw off everything that, in, that hinders us, everything that holds us back, even if it's not necessarily sin, and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run. Everybody say run. It's an urgency there, right? Like when, when you see somebody running, you know either that person is in way better shape than I'm in or something's going on, right? Like there, there's one of two reasons why you run. You're either running to get in shape or you're running because you're trying to get somebody somewhere really fast or something's coming behind you, right? Like that's pretty much the reasons for running. Some of us, if you see us running, you know something's coming. Like just get out of the way, hustle, like it's a bad sign, right? It says let us run, there's urgency there. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked for us. So in other words, perseverance suggests you're going to get tired. There's going to be a poor point where you don't want to run anymore. There's going to be a point where you want to give Shane a call and say, hey, put this light in for me. I'm not a man. And when that point comes, you persevere, right? You push through and you keep running. You keep going. You run with perseverance, the race that's marked out for us. In other words, God has set a race for you. God has marked a race for you, a race that he's designed and destined you to run. And if he's designed you to run it, he's designed you to win it. He's created you for victory. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. And then here's what I really want you to see in verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. How do you overcome sin? It's not the only thing you have to do, but it's the first thing you have to do. And the most important thing you have to do is you gotta fix your eyes on Jesus. You see, in my experience, in my life, when I look back at the most sinful, most wretched seasons of my life, many times as I was trying to break free, as I was trying to get right with God, as I was trying to do things God's way, I would get my eyes fixed on my sin. Man, I gotta quit doing man, I got to quit letting this into my life. I got to quit engaging with this. And I would become fixated on the sin. And Hebrews 12 doesn't say, set your eyes on your sin. It doesn't say, fix your eyes on the problem. It says, fix your eyes on the solution. Fix your eyes on the Savior. Fix your eyes on the one who sets you free. And so often we get it backwards. We get so caught up in the bondage, in the addiction, in the mess, in the struggle. And we focus on that. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm not saying don't engage with it yes we need to go to war with it but our eyes got to be fixed on the solution which is Jesus Christ 
says, fix your eyes. Man, set them where you can't be distracted. You can't be turned away. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he's the pioneer. Old translation says the author and the finisher. It says the pioneer and the perfecter. I like all four of those adjectives. The pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He persevered. He scorned its shame and he sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, sometimes in the sin struggle, we grow weary and we lose heart. And when we grow weary, in my experience, it's because I'm relying on my strength and focusing on my problem. I'm not relying on his strength and focusing on my Savior. Man, when I'm doing that, I can rest in him because he already won the victory. Because the battle belongs to him. Because he's already done it. I just need to walk in what he's provided me for. Amen? I'm going to give you a few more tips on this as we move forward. Take your eyes off your sin and fix them on your Savior. You can't get rid of your sin on your own. Not consistently. Not fully. Not sustainably. You can't do it on your own. I don't care how much willpower you have, how much discipline you have. You can't do it. We've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. First Corinthians 15 says this, says the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God. Everybody say, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he's been giving you victory. Do you realize that? Have you taken advantage of that? That he has given you victory. You see, there's no victory over sin without the God of victory. But with the God of victory, there is absolute victory over sin. 1 Samuel 17 puts it this way. It says, this day, starting at verse 46, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. This is David talking to Goliath, very famous conversation. He says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. I love the brashness of this teenage kid. Man, he is confident. He is bold. He is standing in faith. And then he says this, he says, all those gathered in here will know that it's not by sword, it's not by spear that the Lord saves. He does it differently for the battle is the Lord's. I don't know what your sin struggle looks like right now, church. I don't know what your temptation is. I don't know what your weakness is. I don't know if it's something that's common with our generation or something that's more unusual. I don't know if it's something that's public and everybody can see it or if it's something that's hidden and only you know about it. But I will tell you this, the battle is the Lord's. Quit trying to fight it yourself. You will not win on your own. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is not yours. David says, look, I'm not winning this with sword or spear. He could say, I'm not winning it with sling or stone, right? It wasn't his tools. It wasn't his weapons that won the battle. It was the Lord who won the battle. Let him into the battle Invite him in, engage relationship with him. See, Jesus did for me what I cannot do for myself. I couldn't do it, but he could, and he did. So he brought victory for me. Matthew 5 says it like this, verse 17 in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. All those commandments in the Old Testament that I can't live up to, 
that you never lived up to, all those things that, that we read and we're like, man, this is so discouraging and so impossible. How could any of us ever do it? All that was there to teach us that we can't. But not to discourage us because God always had a plan. I know one who can and he will do it for you. I'm not telling you to live up to every command in the Old Testament. I'm sending a Savior to live up to every command in the Old Testament for you, to break the power of sin and death for you, to send his spirit to live in you so that now you can. He did for me what I could not do for myself. Jesus fulfilled the law, meaning he lived up to it. Walking with Jesus eliminates all kinds of sin, all kinds of sin. It doesn't eliminate every sin. Right? It doesn't mean that we can't be close to Jesus. We can look at the disciples and see very clearly that just because you're close to Jesus doesn't mean you'll never mess up. That's not what I'm telling you. Don't misinterpret this. This is not a, hey, you're falling because you're not close enough to Jesus. What I am saying is if you're not close to Jesus, you're going to fall. And you're going to fall a lot. And you're going to fall easily. But if you'll get close to Jesus, it's going to start warding off a lot of that for you. Not all of it. But a lot of it is going to lose its grip. It's going to lose its power. It's going to lose its strength. And I'll prove it to you. You know this because most of you just spent 21 days seeking God. 21 days in the Word. 21 days reading, praying, two-a-days, man, spending time with God. And you realize that, man, some of the same stuff that used to drive me crazy doesn't really bother me that much anymore. Now, other stuff bothered you because you were starving. I get that, right? <laughs> so some of it transitioned. But, but certain things that used to be so hard to say no to, you didn't like start battling against those. You just got close to God. And it lost its grip. It lost its power in your life. You see, walking with Jesus eliminates all kinds of sin. Galatians 5 says, so I will say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. How do we resist temptation? Walk by the Spirit. Not Focusing on the battle with the flesh, focus on the life with the spirit. Focus on where the spirit is going. And when we focus on that, when we lean into the Holy Spirit, when we engage what he's up to, man, now we're empowered to not gratify the desires of the flesh. It says, for the flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit. And the spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. We're not to do whatever we want, right? We're not... Jesus didn't set us free to go out and live like the world. He set us free to live victoriously. He set us free to live differently, to live set apart, holy lives that the world would look at and see, man, there's something different. There's something about them that I want, that I need in my life. It is for freedom that Jesus sets you free. Amen? Goes on in Galatians 5, verse 24. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit's on the move. The Spirit's not stationary. He's not sedentary. He's up to something, right? He's, he's progressing. He's after something. And so we got to keep in step with him. we got to keep moving with him. In fact, a few months ago, we did a series on the book of Galatians and really impact these verses. If you weren't here for that, I'd encourage you to go back, look for the podcast. And Galatians chapter 5, I think it will really encourage you and empower you in this area. 
We're going to go over our declaration one more time as we get ready to close. You don't have to say it with me. I want you just to allow it to soak into your heart and into your mind. If you didn't say this last week, this week is your opportunity. Man, to, to, to take this, to begin declaring, I've been doing it in the shower in the morning. I've pretty much got it memorized, like not exactly word for word, but the gist uh, to where I, I, I can speak it over my life in the morning uh, and, and just begin to activate that faith. It says this, it says, today I choose to exercise my faith and engage the Holy Spirit. Today I reject temptation, complacency, lukewarmness, and uh, I skipped one, mediocrity, that's what I get for trying to, trying to quote it. Today I reject complacency, I reject temptation, mediocrity, and lukewarmness, and I rebuke their power in my life, taking authority over those things. So today, with, today, with God's strength today, I will play offense. No more defense today. I will play offense. Today I will open my Bible. Right? I will open my Bible wide to build my faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm opening my Bible to build my faith. I will open my mouth to speak into somebody's life God's goodness, to declare the goodness of God. I'm going to sing his praises. I'm going to speak his praises. I'm going to open my mouth. I'm not going to be silent. Even if I'm surrounded by people who don't love Jesus at work, even if I'm surrounded by people at school that are mediocre Christians, I'm not going to fall to their level. I'm going to choose to speak out God's goodness. Amen? And I'll open my eyes. God, open my eyes. This has been my prayer since I started praying this last Sunday. We got this tornado opportunity. We got another opportunity I'm going to tell you about in just a minute. I will open my eyes to see the opportunities that God sets before me all around me. Not today, Satan. God has opportunities to use you. He has opportunities for you to be a blessing, for you to shine the light of Jesus. And so often we're just not opening our eyes to see what he's doing. Every day we're going to declare, God, I want to open my eyes asking God help me to open my eyes I want to see what you are up to if we will do these things we'll fix our eyes on Jesus the author and the finisher the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith if we'll do that man so much of this temptation struggle is going to just take care of itself not all of it but so much of it and we're going to talk the next two weeks about what else we can do to take authority over this I want to close with this this week's challenge I have a challenge for you I want you to begin to lean into Jesus through his word. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word is God. And so if you have not started the reading plan, man, grab one on your way out today. Swing by the Connection Center. Grab one. Take it with you. Start reading through the book of Matthew with us. If you want to go back to the beginning and start there, great. If you want to start where we're at, great. I'm not really concerned about which one. Just get in the word. Just start. Man, figure out what's best for you, what's right for you, and just start. But lean into Jesus through his word. Begin to engage him through his word. I saw this quote this week. It was so perfect. Pastor D.L. Moody, famous evangelist, said this. He says, the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. The Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. So why are we so defeated? A lot of times we're so defeated because our Bible's closed we just take the step of engaging the word of God, we'd see a whole lot more victory come into our life. Amen? So this week, engage Jesus through his word. Saying no to Satan starts with saying yes to Jesus. Not today, Satan. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for this amazing, amazing group of people. God, I thank you for the honor of opening your word with them and pointing them to your son, Jesus. 
God, it blows my mind that you have invited us into relationship with Jesus Christ, the only perfect person who ever lived, the one who died for our sins and rose again on the third day, the one who you sent for us, the one who sits at your right hand right now, the one who's coming again one day to rule and reign. You've invited us into relationship. And yet so often, God, we just forget. We neglect, we go through our daily life and we go through the motions and we miss out on the power of that relationship. And so today, God, we choose to say, not today, Satan, to the temptation to be lazy, to the temptation to be complacent, to the temptation to be mediocre, to the temptation to lay back. God, we say not today, Satan, to that and we choose to engage with Jesus through your Holy Spirit that we'd be in right relationship, that we would be close as we draw near to you, God. We believe that you're drawing near to us and you're doing the battle for us because the battle belongs to you, Lord. You're breaking sin off of us. You're breaking bondage off of us. You're breaking habits and addiction off of us, God. And we thank you for it, for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. We ask you to help us to do this on a daily basis, not just today, but to start with today. We worship you for it in Jesus' name.